listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Feature Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Feature, and you can find me on Twitter, at Astros Feature. And I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter, at The Vandalorian. It's been a while since Kenny and I have been able to hop on a podcast, but we're back today. We got a very special guest, one of the Astros' top prospects, Joe Perez. What's going on, Joe? How you guys doing? I'm doing great. Doing well, doing well. So, First thing I want to ask about is you had your first fully healthy season. We talked earlier in the season about, you know, the, the struggles that you had with injuries early on and just kind of the, the misfortune you really had. So how does it feel coming off your first fully healthy season, but also a season where you put up some some really good numbers, made it up to double A? Uh, yeah, I was just most most proud of being able to be out on the field and, and being able to compete. Uh, first couple of years were, were pretty rough on me, but uh I was just happy to finally get out on the field and, and show what I was able to do. So now we're, we're I don't know, about three, four, five months into the offseason. So how's your offseason going so far? Is there anything specific you're working on? Is it just, I mean, maybe just getting some rest because it's the you know, first time you played that many games in a season? How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Just focusing on trying to gain a, a little bit more weight. Uh, helped me uh, last throughout the whole season. Uh, working a lot on on the defense and just trying to repeat the same mechanics on on the offensive side as well. So you mentioned last through the whole season. Do you do you feel like maybe towards the end of the season it was just it was the the grind of the everyday game was kind of getting to you? Yeah, just a little bit, especially being my first full season. I hadn't played uh, more than uh, like fifty games. I think was the most I had played, and uh, mm -hmm. you know the last uh, two months I think I went sixty seven sixty something games with one off day and. No, it was it was a good experience. It was good to to show me what it was really all about, but it, it did take a toll on my body. Yeah, so now you're on the 40 man roster. You added right before the lockout, and uh, I don't know, know if you remember we did talk about this uh, a few months ago when you were added. But what were the emotions like? What was the call like to be you know know that you're going to be on a major league baseball 40 man roster? Oh man, it was awesome. It was uh, I kind of kind of left me speechless a little bit uh, when I first heard the news. Uh, uh, it was just a great feeling, uh, you know, finally being able to play and, and and showing what I was able to do and getting that call was just – it was unbelievable. Yeah, you finished last season in double-A. Um, going into this next season, into spring training, where do you hope to start the 2022 season? Um, it's not something I really thought about. Uh, just want this uh, to, to be over with so I, I can, you know, go out and play again. Uh, doesn't matter where I start. I want to ask, you played in three different levels. Obviously, you, you tore the cover off the ball in, in, uh, in Fayetteville and Asheville and had some some monster home runs. I remember there was one to, like, deep center that was, like, above the batter's eye. You couldn't even see it on the video. But how was the adjustment going from three different levels, starting out in low A to high A to double A? And, and really, I mean, that's a, you got a lot of different input from coaches, but also saw a ton of different pitchers. So how was that adjustment period for you? Oh, sorry. Uh, the It cut out for a second. Oh, no problem. So I was asking, how was the adjustment going from low A to high A to, to double A and seeing a ton of different 
uh, coaches, ton of different pitchers. And how was it just making that adjustment? Um, you, you saw it a little bit when I went from, uh, from low A to high, it was a little bit of an adjustment, uh, not too much of a difference, but there was a little adjustment, but going from high A to double A was, uh, you know, it took me about a month to, to finally be able to adjust. And, and that was probably the biggest one. So there's a, a question I was going to ask, which kind of right now it's kind of tough that, you know, baseball's in a lockout and, uh, it's going to be about spring training. I'm assuming you're anticipating an invite to spring training. You're on the 40 man roster, but if baseball does start on time, what, what are your goals by the end of March? Like, what do you want to accomplish this spring training? Uh, just to put myself in the biggest position to, uh, you know, be able to play the whole year again, uh, get the same amount of repetitions or even more, and just to get ready for, honestly, for the big leagues. We talked about earlier in the season when I did a little article, but, you know, after not having a 2020 season because of COVID, what changes in that time did you make to your game, and, and how did – how did those challenges that you faced during COVID, how did they help you establish yourself as a legitimate prospect in, in 2021? I mean, I know you got to put in a lot of work. It just wasn't in, in actual games. But what did you work on and how did that help you last year? Um, I looked at it kind of as a as, as a blessing in disguise with uh, me being able to lose the unneeded weight that that was kind of hindering me, causing some injuries. Uh, was able to drop the weight, uh, work on my athleticism, a uh, bunch of defense worked on my hitting mechanics and it, it just all that whole year helped me be able to do what I was able to do last year. I mean, you played most of your career at the hot corner, but you also have innings at first base and also second base. Uh, would you like to rely on some more versatility this upcoming season? Maybe take some time at first base um, as well? Oh, absolutely. Wherever they need me, I'm, I'm more than happy to play. Just looking at the numbers, your power increased. You can see it from the doubles, the home runs, everything. So you had a 6'11 slug in, in 2019 and 849 in, in 2021. What would you contribute to that other than just getting comfortable and having more games and getting out there? But was there anything specific that you would say contributed to your, the increase in your power? Um, working a lot with uh, one of our coaches, uh, Renee Rojas. All of the coaches were great. They've all helped me in, in their own way. Uh, he helped me a lot on the mental side as well as the physical side, all the mechanics, just approach and everything. And uh, I couldn't thank him enough for that. Yeah, by this time next year, what do you hope to see yourself? Uh, this time next year, hopefully. Uh, I mean, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere near, if not already up in the big leagues. Sure. And, um, you know, if you do get that call up this time or, you know, next season or uh, this upcoming season, uh, what number would you wear and why? Um, hmm. I mean, my favorite number is 22. It was uh, my dad's number. He kind of passed it on to me. Um, I'm sure there is a 22 already on the team, but uh, whichever one. Nice. All right, so I, I want to ask, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to, like, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. They did the rebanding. They're no longer in the Skeeters. Uh, have you have you seen the uniforms and stuff that, that, they, uh, that they launched just uh, about a week or two ago? Yes, I, I did. They look awesome. All right, so the follow-up to that is, what uniform out of the – I mean, I know they had a, a blue one, a white one, and a gray one, and, and they look pretty cool, but are, are you excited to, to potentially get to wear those uniforms next year and be part of the Space Cowboys' first first season in, uh, in the Astros organization? Oh, absolutely. That, that, that would be uh, an awesome experience. And to be honest, the, the teal one, that teal uniform looks really, yeah, really nice. For sure. Yeah, no, that, that, that's my favorite too. So on that, I, 
I could probably, I probably know all the minor league teams you've played for. I mean, I do. I mean, I, I follow it all the time, but what's the coolest uniform that you feel like you've worn to this point? I don't know if it was someone with Corpus Christi or with the tourist or, or anyway, I know the woodpeckers do a bunch of um, out there uniforms. I know it's pretty popular in minor leagues organizations, but what's your favorite uniform you've worn to this point? Um, I would have to say, I kind of like the, the, the Raspa's, the Sunday uniforms yeah, for yeah. Corpus. Those are, those are really nice. Yeah, like no, it's the, definitely a definitely a nice switch up, you know, every Sunday from uh, from the normal hooks. And then I was it Wednesday was uh, Wednesday was the Whataburger Dale, the Whataburger chicken biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. Those are interesting. I mean, it's kind of cool. I mean, we, we all like uh, Whataburger here in Texas. But so on the minor league uh, topic this year, they started the, the new schedule where it was a set day off every day of the week and you played six games then you had one day off. And it's going to be that same way next year with Monday being the day off. How do you like that that new schedule? Uh, where instead of having a random day off for every now and then you get a set day off every week. Did, did you feel like that was uh, beneficial to, to y'all as, as players? Oh, absolutely. With the other, how it was before, at least there was, you would go on runs with like 20 games in a row without an off mm-hmm. day and then get a random, like two off days in one week. This one mm-hmm. is just more of a, like it's, it becomes a routine. Like, you know, when you're going to have off, you know, what day you're going to be able to rest. And I, I, I liked it better. Yeah on those normal off days, since you do have a set day, you can kind of plan stuff out. What are your normal off day activities? Is it just getting a workout in hanging out at the apartment or what do you normally do on your days off? Um, it varied. Usually, I mean, about half the time we were on the road, uh, having back-to-back week or weeks of being away. So Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of just relaxing, you know, in the hotel or whether it be at home at the apartment, going to the pool, something like that, something relaxing. Yeah, and uh, we're just gonna take a quick back look or a quick look back at your uh, high school career. But when you were in high school, you were committed to Miami. Uh, but what was that decision like to choose professional baseball over uh, going to college? Um, I knew in the back of my mind it was always what I wanted to do. Uh, I always just I had the passion for 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 baseball. Didn't have it really for school, um, and I just wanted to go out and and be able to do it for a living. Do it do it on an everyday basis. So. Then, you know, in your, in your baseball career, who could you say is the toughest pitcher you've ever faced? Ooh, that's a good question. Professionally? Uh, that can be anyone. Mm, toughest pitcher. I don't know. We faced a lot of good arms last year. Uh, toughest pitcher? Honestly, I couldn't answer that one. What about what about maybe someone in the Astros organization? Is there is there anyone that you've like taken BP off of? They're like, man, this guy's freaking nasty. Oh, of course, Hunter Brown, <laughs> for sure. Man. Yeah, well, he showed yeah he showed it in, in twenty twenty one as well. Um, before we get to a, a kind of an off off the wall question, I was going to ask one other. You talk about hanging out in the hotel, relaxing. What's your go to Netflix show? I mean, if that's where you're, I don't know if you're an Amazon Prime or a Netflix or a Hulu guy, but what's your go to show on those day offs? Ooh, the go-to show. I'm a I'm a huge Peaky Blinders fan. Nice, huge yeah. Peaky Blinders. And, I'm only like I'm only a couple episodes into it. I haven't got fully into it yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Time's kind of tough to come by, but yeah, no, it's a so far I'm loving it. Yeah, I just uh, I actually just finished rewatching it not too long ago, and I haven't watched the the last season finale uh, just so I can be able to watch it before uh, the new season comes out. It's nice. coming out pretty soon. All right, so outside of baseball, what's your favorite sport? Uh, I would have to say basketball. All right. So who's your basketball team? Uh, of course, Miami. 
All right. So Miami, uh, you know, can't really say anything bad about Miami, right? Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam, good, good squad. Uh, what's what, what are they? Where are they at in the, in the East right now? They're like second, first, maybe. So, uh, yeah, some, yeah. They're, they're having a, they're having a good season, and I, yeah. So, um, do you do you pay attention to football too as well? I'm not a football fan. Are you gonna I watch don't. Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, of course. I always All right. Watch so, who, who are you taking in the Super Bowl? Uh. I mean, Bengals on a little on a little streak. I, I might have to go with them. Yeah, I mean that that <laughs> I, I don't know what Kenny's thinking, but yeah, Joe Burrow's pretty <laughs> nasty. Rams are. That's actually, you know, I, um, not very often do I watch Super Bowl and think like, man, no matter who wins, I'd, I'd be pretty kind of happy. Like, I, I want to see Joe Burrow win, but I also kind of want to see Matt Stafford win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you think, Kenny? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm in Missouri right now, and uh, they hate the Rams here, and I don't <laughs> think anything better than having the Chiefs lose and the Rams win probably be like the best way to upset everyone here so i'm gonna take the rams all right joe well joe i really appreciate you taking time i know it's uh you know you probably got a lot going on in the off season but uh congrats to a phenomenal 2021 season getting added to the 40-man roster and uh, can't wait to see what you do this next year i appreciate it have a good one all right all right that's gonna do it for segment one in the next segment we're gonna talk some sugarland space cowboys and get caught up on the lockout to this point and we'll get to that in just a moment and continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So we'll get right into the, the hot news, I guess, of the, the offseason, really, because we don't have any Major League Baseball news. We have a rebrand. They're no longer the Sugarland Skeeters as the Sugarland Space Cowboys. I'll say initially I saw the name and I was kind of – I didn't really know what to think, but after hearing it for about two weeks now, I'm loving it. I, I went out to the rebranding. Uniforms looked awesome. I think it's a, I think it's a cool theme to kind of go with the Astros theme, the, the city of Houston, the NASA thing. What's your what's your thoughts on it, Kenny? Yeah, I love the Skeeters name. I thought it you know fit the south the southeastern you know Texas vibe. But I understand going to that space theme. Uh, just the whole the whole like whatever's going on in the Astros, you know, like the tourists. They're also a, they're the moon like it's a moon character. So I think just having all these uh, minor league teams kind of fit to your major league team is a pretty good uh, like plan and uh, Orion the mascot you know he's supposed to be like a cousin of Orbit right. and I think the whole space cowboy thing is a great idea it kind of fits the Texas theme and the space theme of what they wanted yeah you know and you, you mentioned the uh the Taurus and so the Astros do own the hooks and the woodpecker that's the one that they actually don't own right now but I wonder if a rebrand will come for the hooks I hope not I like the hooks man I think it's oh, like yeah. that that south the south Texas fishing thing I, I like it but on the uniform so they got three new jerseys they got the teal one which has the little space cowboy patch on it. They got the gray one that says Sugarland with the blue sleeves, which I think looks really clean. And then the white one says space cowboys. It has like the, almost like the tequila sunrise under the arms, but it's the space cowboys colors, which out of those three, which one's your favorite? I got to go with the the teal one. I think going to that teal, I wasn't around where the Oilers were. Um, I'm not going to assume that you were too, Jimmy, but um, they weren't my football team, but I, you know, my parents love the Oilers. I love that oiler blue. And I think just that Space Cowboy is just a good image. It looks like that Daft Punk, the yeah. singer, looks yeah. just like him. And I think his name should be Maurice, like going after the the Joker song by yep. Steve Miller Band. I know that they didn't incorporate Maurice anywhere. I know you can't really rip off that song as much as you can, but sure. I think that would have been the best best name for him. Yeah. Yeah, looking at him, man, the teal looks sweet, but there's – I, man, I'm looking back to him, and I, I like all of them. It's actually it's hard to hard to choose. I think the white one's going to look real clean, but yeah, I can't can't wait to get out there and watch him. The mission patch I think turned out really cool. It's subtle. It plays on the Houston, the NASA theme, the the state of Texas. 
so yeah, I mean, all in all, man, I think this, the Sugarland did a phenomenal job getting that ready, get, getting the, the new rebranding. Corey Lee, Matajevic, Chad Donato are all out there sporting the new jersey. Look really good, but um, yeah, I'm excited for this next year. Yeah, I think I think the best thing about minor league baseball uniforms is you can have as much fun as you want with them. Yeah, and you look at these three uniforms, and they're just a lot of fun already. When you look yeah. at the skiers ones last year, they just had the blue, the white, right. uh, then the gray on the way on the on the road. They had a few ones thrown in the mix. I wonder what those uniforms are going to be like this summer. Like what what's the fourth jersey? You know, they're going to do something for the fourth of July. Yeah. Think about like a space cowboy, but he's American themed. I don't for know. Sure, there's just a bunch of things that they could take. Or they could just maybe do a throwback night, maybe do a Skeeter jersey. I don't yeah. know if they can still do that, but there's just a lot of ideas they could have. Yeah, definitely. On that, We'll get that topic out of the way. Got the Sugarland Space Cowboys. We'll talk real quick on the lockout. There's nothing really to update on the fact that we're still in a lockout. And we see the negotiations. Well, I guess what we think is negotiations happening. I know we'll, we'll read tweets and stuff where they're saying that someone's not wanting to negotiate. But ultimately – do you think baseball is going to start on time or are we going to have some kind of delay? Um, I'm not thinking it is. You know, you read these national tweets, national reports, guys like Jeff Passan, and they just make it sound so eerie that, you know, oh, is it going to happen? But, you know, baseball is a sport where just things come out of the ordinary, like just random things just happen immediately. And we're like, oh, wow, it's going to happen. You know, baseball is going to start on time. And I know pitchers and catchers are supposed to report and maybe – a week or two, two weeks is what the schedule time would be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's going to start on time and I'm not going to speculate what's going to end up happening, but um, I'm still fine with like the minor league phase uh, moving forward. I know we're both minor league uh, baseball fans. So that's something that could keep us busy. Yeah. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up. It's kind of like the reverse 2020, like in 2020, there was only major league baseball. Now we get, mm-hmm. we might get only minor league baseball. Only downside is the guys on the 40-man roster won't be able to participate. So the Jeremy Pena, the Joe Perez, and then obviously any other prospects that have been added. But we will still get to see a lot of the we'll, – Corey Lee will still get to play. We'll still get to see a lot of uh, prospects. And ultimately, we won't miss out on minor league baseball. So that that's good. But really, I'm just – man, I don't know. I, I really hope baseball starts on time. I, you know, baseball, I think, had a, a phenomenal 2021. I think it was a, a very intriguing postseason all throughout, a very good World Series, despite the fact that the Astros didn't come away with it. And I just – you'd hate to lose that momentum that baseball has created because, uh, uh, you know, there there's a lockout and we don't have baseball start on time. I did read something that they said was interesting, though, is that we're in a lockout. The contract hasn't ended yet. So, like, baseball can still continue if they lift the lockout, but the lockout is only for negotiation. So that would be interesting is are they willing to still negotiate – while actually playing games. And, and I don't know if that's possible or not. I read, I don't remember who tweeted that out, but that would be interesting if that's, if that's something that could still happen. Yeah. For a sport that really doesn't like to negotiate during a season. Um, I don't know how well that would actually work if they're not going to settle something on an off season when there is no baseball mm-hmm. and you know, like guys like Carlos Correa weren't going to negotiate. It's a right. totally different thing, but it's a contract and they're not going to negotiate because it takes away from the game. It kind of distracts you. Yeah. And I don't really know how, how well it's going to work moving forward, but you know, you can only, you can only hope that they get it settled soon. All right. So before we, before we recorded this, I did get on Twitter, ask if anyone had some questions. We did get a few uh, while I'm loading up my sheet here with my prospects. I'm going to throw one at you that they, they had asked and we could both answer it, but uh, at Volt Cortez asked, who would you go with as the everyday center fielder to start the season? Myers, McCormick or Siri real quick. I'll let you answer it. I will say Jake Myers isn't going to be ready for baseball come. Well, assuming we start in April. Um, but, but who, what are you thinking? Um, yeah. If, if Myers was available, Myers would be the everyday starting center fielder. I think we 
can kind of agree on that. Mm-hmm. But I think the platoon makes the most sense. I know they did a platoon going into the postseason. Uh, whoever hits better against righties will start against the righties. So it's probably going to be Siri and then McCormick will start against lefties. I don't have the splits up in front of me, but I know there's a difference there yeah. between the two. And um, I know there was rumors that they were looking at other guys like Starling Marte was on the market. But right. um, if there's no real center fielder that they're going to trade for, I know Byron Buxton, he got a massive extension. There's no reason to go after him. But I think the opening day starter just depends on who the Phillies are going to roll out. And I think the Phillies are right-handed base. So opening day starting center fielder, Jose Siri, uh, is probably the the go-to. Yeah, and you really can't go – I mean, you look, you saw the numbers last year. You can't go wrong with McCormick or, or Siri. And really, you know, McCormick putting up the season he did, he did it in a very stacked lineup. So it almost went under underappreciated maybe. You know, and we saw Myers had some really good success. Man, I'd love to see him get a full season. You got to come back from that shoulder injury. But, yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably go with McCormick just because he's got the experience. You know, good. he's solid defensively. So we'll jump to the next question. Another question I had from our buddy Round Rock Tim. He said – since uh, we have the knowledge of the farm system, he'd like to know who the top five prospects are after Corey Lee and Jeremy Pena. And I haven't put out my top list yet. I got Pena number one, Corey Lee number two. But I'll tell you, uh, Tim, so I got Hunter Brown number three, Pedro Leon number four, Alex Santos number five, Peter Solomon number six, and Joe Perez number seven. So real, the reason, I mean, everyone knows what Hunter Brown's upside is. We've seen the fastball. We've seen the curveball. We've seen the strikeout numbers. Once he gets a little bit better command of his pitch, I mean, the guy's going to be money. And, and I'm, I think we're going to see him in the majors this year. We know about Leon, phenomenal tools, didn't really show it all last year, but it was his first time playing in, in a couple of years since uh, came from Cuba. Santos, high upside, young guy, good numbers in Fayetteville for his first season. Peter Solomon, guy that was probably a little underrated by Astros fans, had a, a solid season in Sugarland, And really, if it, you know just as well as I do, Kenny, when they would go on the road, they're playing in places like El Paso, Albuquerque. I mean, these places like hitter's paradise, you know, and he still mm-hmm. was the AAA pitcher of the year, had some good numbers. And then obviously Joe Perez put up a, a phenomenal season. I know someone's going to ask about it. Where's Forrest Whitley? I have him right after uh, Perez. I talked to Whitley, I guess it was a couple months ago, man. And I, I'm excited to see what he could do. I think he's working hard to come back. I think he's got the right mindset and, and I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on him yet. But yeah, what's glad. your take? Where were you? Where are you at with the prospects? Well, I'd start. I'd like to start off. Like I'm glad you brought up the elevation uh, aspect of the Triple A West. Triple A West numbers are highly inflated, both offensively and for pitchers. Yep. Um, somebody like uh, Peter Salmon, he was building a case to be like trade bait. I think he was yep. a guy that was going to go out there and probably bring in a closer at some point. And he's a guy who's going to be rotation depth coming into the year. Might start the season in Triple A, but whenever the season starts. But he's definitely the guy that I would lean on for a spot start. Um, I think mine is probably fairly similar to yours. I do have Lee Pena at the top. Um, I, I just haven't heard great things about Pedro Leon. I know yeah. um, Chandler Rome of uh, Baseball American, the Houston Chronicle, has talked about how um, scouts aren't that interested in Pedro Leon anymore. Some things like aren't clicking for him. Right. But it, it's, hard, it's hard to just evaluate after one season in professional baseball. Uh, he came over, kind of made a big jump, went double A for sure, and then to triple A. And then he got hurt right when he was yep. getting hot, right when everything started clicking for him, everything. Uh, offensively he was you know right. hitting the ball better he got injured um <clears throat> i'd say following that is definitely gonna be hunter brown i like the top three uh to be players that could probably you know impact the season in 2023 i think those three guys could definitely make a 26 man roster come 2023 oh, yeah. uh following that i actually have uh santos at four um he's a guy that uh you know he's still young in the system he's still at uh low a or high a at this point but he's a guy they got because of Garrett Cole leaving. And I think Alex Santos is showing so much maturity 
for only being like 19 years old. Right. Uh, after that, I definitely have Leon, um, somebody who they've been flashing a lot at shortstop, you know, because of his arm. And he played mm-hmm. some third base. I don't know if a lot of people knew that, but at the yep. end of the season, him and uh, Pena yeah. were doing some third base, doing right. some third base action. Um, and after that, I'm going to put Forrest Whitley and and then Peter Solomon. Uh, someone like Forrest Whitley, though, is, I want to point that out, is in Baseball America, he didn't even make the top 10 right. for the Astros prospects. And that kind of shows that there's a lot of difference in opinion for when sure. you look at MLB pipeline and what our opinion says. Yep. Yeah. And I read what, you know, Chandler Rome had to say about that. And it's not, it's not really a knock on his skills. You know, he's got the talent. It's more just, can he stay healthy? Can he go out there and pitch? So um, man, I'm, I, I hope he has a big uh, 2022. Um, I know he's still working his way back from, from injury, but I, he's, I, when I talked to him, he said he won't be fully thrown off a mound come, uh, come March or April, but probably by the middle of the season, he'll be good to go. Another question we got here from uh, Hank M four, four, four. So staying on the minor league topic, who are the top five MLB ready prospects and how do you see the Astros using them when they get the call to the big league club? Uh, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. There's a lot of, a lot of guys, obviously Jeremy Pena, right? All that falls on Carlos Correa. Does he stay or does he not stay? If he's gone, Jeremy Pena is probably going to be your starter. He's going to get the use right away. Corey Lee, we see injuries happen all the time at the catching position. That's a, that, that they take a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, damage back there you know so Maldonado Castro one of those guys go down Lee might be the next guy up I know there's still other guys that they can rely on but Lee probably I think he'll get a chance Hunter Brown probably the next guy up spot start maybe they use him in the bullpen Uh, I still think his long-term future is definitely as a starter but maybe they use him however they can get him after that Peter Solomon for sure has got to be there we saw a little bit what he could do in in, uh, 2021 I, I expect to see him this year um, and the next guy down, I know a guy that me and you both really like, Sean Dubin. Guy's freaking nasty. Throwing 97 to 99, wipeout slider. He uh, he started some games. The games he started, he usually only went like two or three innings. But when he pitched in relief, I, I pulled up the numbers. I mean, they were they were phenomenal. ERA, I think, like under two. Struck out like 40 and 25 innings. Uh, he, he's nasty. And we see the way relievers go up and down. He's on the 40-man roster now. He's going to – as long as there's baseball in 2022, he's going to he's gonna be on the Astros. He's going to contribute. And I can't wait to see what he can do for us. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Sean Dubin. Um, somebody who could really benefit from an opener. Uh, if you put an opener out there, you have know, a four-game stretch, uh, four home games. He's down in AAA. He can come up, you know, yep. replace maybe I, – I can't look at the roster right now, but somebody who has options on the roster, send him down, bring up Dubin. He could eat some innings in like a mm-hmm. Sunday game. I think that's like the perfect spot to get his feet wet. Yep. Uh, somebody like Corey, uh, Corey Lee is – he's not on the 40-man roster, like we said. And the Astros only have two catchers now after trading stubs. So right. at some point, you know, in the season, there's a lot of pitchers on this roster. And if they need to add a, th- a third catcher, it's definitely going to be Lee. Or I'm thinking Papirski is another guy that's going to be somebody that a team likes in the Rule 5 draft whenever the Major League one happens. Right. Uh, he's been on uh, he's been on the new rosters going into the postseason, sitting in the taxi squad. Pitchers rave about him. Um, so somebody like Papirski could also be in the mix for that. But I don't want to count out Tyler Ivey, uh, somebody who's coming off for sure. an injury. And I, I, you know, I think Tyler Ivey kind of has gone forgotten since he got hurt after his start. And, well, he was battling an injury like almost his whole uh, – that whole year. So I think someone like Tyler Ivey could also be depth going into the season. Yeah, no, and, and Ivey's, Ivey's a good one for sure. Yeah, he's a uh, – if was, he comes back healthy, he could be a guy that could pick up some starts. We saw him do it in, in 2021 with his major league debut. Um, another question we got here was uh, – are you confident with Pena being the Astros shortstop next season, or do you believe he could use another year of seasoning in the minors? I think he's already shown he has what it takes. He's shown it in, in AAA. He's shown it in spring training in 2021 prior to the injury. 
Um, I know the Dominican Winter League is not necessarily the same caliber as Major League Baseball, but we saw what he did over there this this winter. So I think he's shown everything you needed to see to say he's ready for the the, the major you know major leagues. Could he use maybe a couple more months in the minors? I mean, sure, it, it, I guess he wouldn't hurt. Uh, but if Carlos Correa is gone, to me, he needs to be the starter opening day. I, I don't even think there's a point of you know going and signing a, a guy like Trevor Story. We've talked about that a lot, but I'm extremely high on Pena and I'm ready to see him start. I, I think he's ready for the majors. What, what do you think? Yeah, the Astros are trying to contend next year, and I think if you get his feet wet, get him ready for you know postseason baseball, it's best to get it, best to get him out there early. I do like the idea of letting him play a little bit more in AAA. Only had thirty games last year, and mm-hmm. I know he had monster numbers at the plate, but I like what James Click said in the, the end of the season press conference. They said if he's ready, he's ready. Yeah. Um. So I like the idea of Pena just going out there immediately. Yeah, and he had you know he had those good numbers, but it was it was encouraging to see him go to uh, Dominican Winter League, which we know that's that's a that's a good I mean that's good quality baseball. He he told mm-hmm. he told me that when I talked to him I think back in September, and he had good numbers there. Uh, we saw him flashing you know flashing the le- uh, the leather in the field and all that. Uh, one other question I got here was from uh, at Joe Country ninety nine. He says he hasn't really kept up with the minor league changes, but do the Astros system do they still have similar quantity of players teams as in the years past? So. They have the, the four main teams that, uh, right now. It's just the, the Space Cowboys, the Hooks, the Tourist, and the Woodpeckers. They still do have rookie ball. They still do have some Dominican Summer League, uh, but there's no more Greenville. There's no more Tri-City. They have the FCL, Astros Florida Complex League. But I don't, I'm don't. i not 100% sure if this is the way the question's going, but I will answer it. If he's talking about the quantity of players, there's less players in the system now than there was because of less amount of teams. But in terms of the quality of these players, I, I know a lot of people have said that. The Astros are like a bottom five team. I just, for me, it's hard to see it. And and I know I'm biased, man, and and I'm not going to try to hide that at all. But the Astros have, I I think, at least probably three top 100 prospects, for sure, Lee and Pena. And then you can make a good argument for a guy like uh, Hunter Hunter Brown and uh, Pedro Leon. I mean, I know he didn't show as much, but that's three right there. And I think there's a lot of high upside. Uh, You know, Tyler Whitaker, Colin Barber, Alex Santos. I, I think there's plenty of talent in this system. It's hard to compare it to other other ones, but we've seen over and over. We talked about it. We I think on the last podcast we probably talked about it. You don't have to have a top system to get to get you know great players. We saw Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, two of our best pitchers were not even uh, a top ten prospects you know prior to their call up. So they didn't. They came from they came from essentially nowhere. The Astros found them. Uh, good scouting, good development. So you don't have to have a top ranked system to have a, a good major league team. But the Astros do have some top prospects along with those guys. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm I'm still high on the system. I don't. I don't know if I mean I guess I could say I maybe one time I would be I mean maybe back in like 2009 2010 the system was terrible but yeah I I still think the Astros system is uh, probably underrated um, and have some good high upside guys and some good guys that are ready to contribute. Yeah, those guys that just get signed you know they play for the DSL team in the Dominican. Um, some of them get signed for twenty thousand dollars like Framber Valdez was and now mm-hmm. he's a he was a game one starter in a World Series. So there's guys in the system that will make a splash at some point. Look at Jake Myers. He yep. was on the older end of people in the system. He went to college. I know a lot of the college guys aren't always ranked as high. And there's also the high school guys like Tyler Whitaker and Alex Santos, who, you know, both are younger people, younger guys. But, you know, give them some time. They could get into the top 100. I, I like the shout about Hunter Brown getting a top 100. Give him a more consistent AAA season. Mm-hmm. Show those strikeout numbers. Um, yeah, I think he's in it. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get it because his overall numbers are pretty good for a guy his age, the numbers he had, the stuff he has that everyone you know will agree he has elite stuff. I'm surprised he didn't get a, a back end uh, top hundred consideration. Ultimately, it doesn't really mean much. It's just a that's a fan thing that we get to look at. Organization doesn't really care about it. Um, 
Well, yeah, man, uh, I'm ready to get some baseball back. I'm glad we were able to come on here and talk. Any any closing thoughts, Kenny? Um, I'm kind of excited for the uh, the Space Cowboys Astros game at um, oh, Constellation yeah, yeah, Field and sure. at Minimid. Um, I don't think I'm going to be there. I think I'm going to be already back at school, but um, definitely a game I would say that you, you should probably head out to if you can. Sure. But I think I, they're I doing two. Think... I think there's one at Sherman and then one at Houston, right? Yeah, and so I wonder how that'll I wonder how that'll go though if if uh, there's still a lockout. I wonder if they'll just fill it with fill it with prospects. Man, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was wondering if they could kind of like expand, bring up some double A guys, get those yep. those hooks players, you know, a right. chance to play a minimade. And I don't I don't know about who would the forty man players that are in triple A play for the Astros or well, can I mean can they play? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, I guess you're saying if it, if they played, I would. Yeah, I don't know. They probably play. I guess they play for the Space Cowboys. I don't know. You cut out for a second. You cut <laughs> yeah, out say, for a second. I was saying, um, well, if they play, I mean, I guess they'd play for the Space Cowboys. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm saying when if there isn't a lockout, then definitely right. I, I would see it end up like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.